love the fact that we can stand in your power and we can stand in your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, your word never will. As we stand this morning in your power and stand on your word, we trust you will guide us through it because there are so many wonderful things you want to teach us in our journey with you until we see you face to face. Help us to be obedient to what we hear. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, David. I love the spontaneity that when you feel like standing, stand. I want to remind you, Dave and I have talked about that. You do not disrespect us or Dave when he tells you to stand and you don't. That's fine. We want you to have the freedom to do either. And there are times that I like the freedom to do both. So it's just easier to say it than wonder about it. Take your sermon notes out this morning. And uh, they look about this color, but they're not this size of font, I'm sure, as we walk together through it. We're in a series in the Ten Commandments. This morning we moved to number five. It's in your sermon notes, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord, your God, is giving you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord is giving you. A number of years ago, I went to visit an older couple. Uh, wife, I think, has already passed away. I can't remember in the sequence of who passed first. Late in their 90s, walked in, and I said, and they so wanted to see God. And I said, how you doing? And he said, we treated our parents too well. <laughs> and I said, you, you what? He said, we treated our parents too well. I said, I'm not sure if I get what you're talking about. I thought maybe he had somehow gone and checked out mentally, but not physically. He said, you remember that verse in Exodus where it says, honor your father and mother that you may live long on this earth? We honored them too often and too well. <laughs> and now I'm living too long. I'm not sure what to say to that. I just went and prayed for him and prayed that God would take him home, and obviously God did. There are a number of reasons every so often that God gives me a platform like I have today in this context here in honor your father and mother, and throughout the year, I'll choose just to spend time on a subject like that, but I'll deal with either marriage or family and sometimes both. This morning, I want to give you at least four. There are a number of other reasons. One is, you know and I know, it can be the source of your greatest joy or your deepest what? Sorrow or pain. Now, it's not always sorrow. It's sometimes you just simply find yourself celebrating all that God has done, and sometimes you're just dealing with some difficult issues, and most of the time it centers around family. My grandson with special needs is in the hospital all weekend, so what do you think's been on my mind with him being in the hospital all weekend? And there are times that you just celebrate what God is doing in their life or has done in their life or doing in your family, and there are times that you just feel the weight of the family situations and circumstances that they're going through. Almost every single time someone comes to me at the end of a service for prayer, almost all of it centers around the context of family. Secondly, it's the area that the enemy attacks the most. Now, I know what we sang this morning, and everything we sang this morning was certainly true. Nothing can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You have no fear to stand before God. Greater is he who is in us than he is in the world that does not stop Satan from trying. He knows all of that. Very aware of all of that. But it does not stop him from trying. And probably the majority of the things that I deal with or the calls that I get about family circumstances, it has to do with some things that the enemy tries to do. And sometimes it's even just the things that we think about. When we sing all of these things, we know all of these things, we know we've entrusted them into God's hands, and then they get sick or someone dies prematurely and the enemy walks into your life and says, so really? 
Did you really trust him? Do you really trust him? You're praying. Does he really hear? All of those things are not true. They're lies from the enemy that we sang about this morning. But it is one of the areas that he attacks the most because he knows how to get to us. And one of the ways he'll get to me, certainly, is through family. Thirdly, it's the area that changes. Changes because of either age or marriage situations or, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're growing up and, and then you get married. And now you've got two families for Christmas or, or you have all those situations that you're now trying to process that you didn't have to worry about before. And all of a sudden your mom may say to you, you used to come to our house on Christmas Eve. And now you don't. Yes, mom, it's been 46 years. And you're right, we don't. You know, what do you say? But at the area, as life goes on, as time goes on, and family situations change, it changes with it. And it's the opportunity to influence the next generation. I'm going to lay the weight of that all over this message. But the opportunity you and I have to influence the next generation is huge. And your kids will never tell you that. They'll say it's TV or media or the peers or some things like that or a teacher or whatever. But the opportunity you and I have to shape the next generation lies mainly on us. And we are beyond shadow of a doubt, the greatest influence in their lives, even if they never tell you that. This morning, we're going to move in our emphasis in these commands. We're moving away from our relationship to and with God in the first four. God first, no other gods. Honor my name. Remember what I've done. Every week, do that. Not when you feel like it. Not when it's appropriate. Not when there's no uh, sun outside. Every week, stop. Remember what I've done. And now we're going to move to the rest of the commandments that deal with how we relate to one another. We said a, a couple of weeks ago when we started this that Jesus wrapped up the entire Ten Commandments by two phrases. Love God with every fiber of your being. Love Him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we go through that, you need to understand, and as we've been going through that, that the order of those two are incredibly important. The order of the first four flowing into the next six is incredibly important. For out of our relationship with God that's rightly aligned, that's in the right place, comes our relationship with people. If our relationship with God doesn't have a positive effect on people, it has a right to call into question our relationship with God. Now that may sound like a heavy statement or a harsh statement. It is a biblical statement. Matter of fact, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, especially 2 and 1 John, talk all about that. You cannot honestly say you love God if you don't like people. Now, there are people that irritate you. One or two, right? I mean, just like one. Hopefully you're not sitting beside them. But there are people in your life, and I get that. So when you look at a statement like that or a statement that I make, and you see what God's saying, if you don't love God, if you, if you, if you don't like people, you can't say you like God and all of that. There are people in your life that tend to push that. But I'm telling you, God's word is very clear. Out of our relationship with God, that it's in the right way, we're going to now have a good relationship with people. It's not going to start the other way around, where if I treat people well, will God like me? It goes the other way. When I begin to fully understand who I am in Christ and what he's done for me, and everything we've said over the last few weeks in regards to these commands, then I'm able to treat people in a way that they deserve and God loves. You follow that? That's why they're put that way. When I began this series, I said, would you dream with me for just a moment? That you and I could be in a place where God is worshipped freely and honestly. Where the Lord's Day is regularly observed. Every single week, every single week, every seven days, we shut down, we stop. 
Not when it's convenient, not when I feel like it. You know, the average church attender in evangelical churches only comes to church two Sundays a month. Every week, I shut down. I come together with God's people, and I celebrate what God has done. A place where people wouldn't hurt one another with words, where they would be thrilled with what they have and not envious with what they don't, where our mates don't have to wonder if we're looking around. This particular commandment relates to our parents, and God says, honor them. Now, I've got a wonderful relationship with my mom and dad, so when I can talk about honoring my parents, I can do that pretty easily. I've got to believe in this room or some of the first service have a hard time with this particular phrase because to honor your parents means a different thing to you because you can't or you don't know how or if you're really, really honest, you don't want to because of some of the pain they've caused through the years. And even talking about this particular subject for one or two, maybe just a couple of people in the room or maybe even more than that, it brings back some painful memories. But I have a, a statement in your sermon notes this morning that says, no human relationship has more power to shape us, either to help us or hurt us, than the one with our parents. No human relationship has more power to shape us, either to help us or hurt us, than the one we have with our parents. There's a lot of weight with that statement, isn't there? Especially when you're a parent. There's just an enormous amount of weight that comes with that statement. It's true, but I get the weight that goes with it. It's easy for me as a dad to say to you and I as dads, look, the Lord lays a ton of responsibility on us, so you've got to make sure you're doing it well. And you'll look at me and say, well, that's just heavy. That's just, it's not me, it's God. But I can say it easier because I'm a dad. Same context here as a parent. I know there's a lot of weight that comes with that, but you and I need to understand that weight is appropriate, that weight is important, that weight is there. Because no other influence in our life, more than our relationship with God, obviously, but no other influence on in our life, humanly speaking, has more influence on who we become than our parents. This command here says, regardless of the relationship, good or bad, we're to honor them. And then it goes on to say, for our own sake. Ephesians 6, 2, I think it's in your notes, says the same thing. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. He adds that go well with you a little bit differently than what commandments do as well. You and I cannot ignore the influence our parents have had. The word honor means give appropriate weight. In your sermon notes, in light of what they did, what do they deserve? Now that statement is loaded, right? Because some of you are saying, I know what they deserve. And others are saying, oh, boy, I can't wait to tell them how much I love them and what they've done for me. In light of what they've done, what do they deserve? Now, for a lot of you, you cannot deny your parents' influence. You ever, every once in a while, go to the mirror in the morning and go, oh, my goodness, that's my dad. <laughs> right? I mean, you look in the mirror and you go, that's my mom. Or you hear their voice. You're saying something and, and you're yelling at your kid. No, you're speaking loudly to your children. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you hear your dad's voice in your ear going, that sounded like dad. I mean, you look at them, and you see them, and, and, and all of those kind of things. There are a lot of people, down through the years, there are a number of people that said, you look like that golf guy. Or, or you look like that garage monkey guy, which is interesting on both contexts, because I'm not really good at cars, and I don't play golf. And then I heard, you look like that most interesting man in the world. It's at the Pittsburgh airport one day. And somebody said, you're the most interesting man in the world, aren't you? And I said, you got me. And I walked out, and I could see him saying to his wife, see, I told you he was. <laughs> but this is what happened to me this summer on vacation. 
Getting in the elevator by myself, the door opens up, the gal walks in, and we're riding up to the next floor. And she said, can I be honest with you for a moment? I'm going, what is that going to mean? I don't know. And she said, I thought at first you were Tommy Chong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you already know? I'm going, what? I said, ma'am, I've had a lot of people tell me I look like a lot of people, but honestly, I've never had that one. And I'm over 65 years old. She said, well, Tommy Chong of Chief and Chong. I said, yeah, they're 90 years old. <laughs> For all I knew. So I went up in the room, got my iPad out, typed him in. I was sick. <laughs> I mean, I was literally sick. Old, gray hair, saggy eyes. Looked like he had been drinking on drugs all of his life, for all I knew. I'm going, I I mean, literally, for two days I looked for that lady saying, please, please tell me there's somebody else that I remind you of besides that. We, We bear a lot of physical characteristics, whether we like it or not. When you look at your kids, what traits do you see? I mean, when you look at your kids... What traits do you see? Personality. What else? Looks, obviously. Yeah. I, we, got, we got one child that looks like me and one child that looks like Con. We cannot disown our children. Both our girls, one looks like me, one looks like her. They both act the opposite of that in a lot of respects. Eric said to me, I, I was told all of my life while I was dating to look at the mom, look at the mom, look at the mom. The daughter's going to be like the mom. And I married Denny. Drives me crazy. <laughs> so bad for him not only are there physical characteristics but there are also traits that can't be seen in a mirror but they're just the same influence your work ethic how you spend your time how you spend your resources what's really important to you in life how you treat your mate how you deal with anger it is way more than dna and like it or not there are traits that are there that go to the very core of our identity now, there are a number of benefits that we receive, and, and benefits, it's already in your sermon notes, I think, but benefits may not be the best word, but there are a number of things that we receive from our relationship with our parents, and that relationship, be it good or bad, has an undeniably profound effect on the issues of life. For a lot of people, it's career choice. My dad worked in a mill, my grandfather worked in a mill, his grandfather worked in a mill, so I work in a mill. For others of it, my dad worked in a mill, there's no way I'm working in a mill. My dad was in business, I'm not doing that. He was working 80 hours a week. Whatever the thing may be, but many times we choose a career based on either a positive or a negative influence on our fathers or our moms, who we marry, why we marry, to get out of the home or to have what your parents have. And I've heard both. I've looked at gals and say to them, why do you want to get married? My mom and dad has such a great relationship. I thought, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to have that? And some of them are very honest with me and saying, i got to get out of the house. How we treat our mates has a lot to do with what we've seen. Either, again, a reaction from that or an influence from that. How, how we parent, how we relate to our parents, how we relate to people, issues that affect our identity, our intimacy, our self-esteem, Propensities towards certain types of behavior or even addictions are influenced by our parents. All of these things and more, according to health care professionals, come back to issues either dealt with or undealt with as it relates to our parents. There may be patterns of behavior that we've got to be really honest about and look at in our behavior and say, there's some things that because of that I've got to change. Now, if you're grumpy, what wonderful traits do you think you're passing along to your kids? 
That old line, well, that's just the way I am, or I'm just like my dad, that's a cop-out for not doing the hard work that's necessary to change that pattern of behavior. I think one of the best things that God has ever done for our sanctification, you all know what sanctification is? It's the refining process of the Spirit of God. We come to faith in Christ. He gives us salvation through His Savior. We're going to celebrate that in communion here this morning. And then sanctification means set apart. It's the process of becoming everything that God has designed me to become. And I think one of the best things that God gives us, not for everybody, and I get that, but one of the best things God gives us is marriage, especially if you get married later in life. You're going down the single train. You're driving the train. You're on the butt. You're going the right You like what you're doing. And all of a sudden, God brings somebody else into your life. And now, all of a sudden, you're beginning to change. And now it's two of you steering the train or steering the bus. And you don't always agree with what that looks like. And all that stuff that you buried or didn't deal with that you just thought was okay to do on my own now comes out. I had a guy years and years ago said to me, I had no idea until I got married how stupid I was. <laughs> I said, what is that supposed to mean? He said, well, we got married later in life, and we moved in together then, which is the order you're supposed to, and all of a sudden, I was doing things, and she said, well, why are you doing that? That's stupid. Well, why do you put that there? That's really stupid. I had no idea how I ever survived all of those years of my life being so stupid. And then, when you got it all figured out, God just says, here, I'm going to give you a couple kids. One of them is going to be just like you. This call here in the Ten Commandments to honor our parents is a call to deal with those issues. For until you do, you'll never be able to honor them, and you'll never be able to fully enjoy what God has designed for our life. That is a powerful statement. <laughs> it is absolutely true. You ever gone to a Christian counselor or any counselor, or you've seen one on TV, and you say, I've I got some issues in my life I want to deal with. What do you think one of the first questions they're going to ask you? How'd you get along with your mom? How'd you get along with your dad? And so you're going to tell them. You're going to answer those questions. And, and then they'll have that after you tell them everything, that classic question, which is what? How does that make you feel? Oh, you've been there. Not, no, you've seen it. Why did they ask that question? Well, they've been trained that way in counselor school, right? No. They ask those questions because they understand the effects our parents have on us. God knew that centuries before they ever came to a class of any kind that we cannot dishonor our parents and ignore the unresolved issues in our past and at the same time fully realize fruitfulness and health in our life. Long before psychologists ever asked that question, God knew what we needed to do to have the kind of life that he wants for us. He knew what an enormous issue this was and the influence that parents had on the next generation. Now, as I said before, that Hebrew phrase, honor your parents, at its basic level means to ascribe to your parents appropriate weight. Now, many people have a tendency to look at their family from one of two extremes. Most people are in the middle. Some will deify them as if they could do no wrong, and others will vilify them as if they did everything wrong. Now, most of us are in the middle. But some will look at their family background and say they were perfect without looking at the flaws. And others will say, every problem I've ever had goes back to my mom or my dad or whatever that may be without taking responsibility for our own mistakes. We'll either minimize or maximize their influence without dealing honestly. How do we give or how do we come to a place in your nose where we give appropriate somehow accurate assessment of the influence they've had in our life so that we can move on to do exactly what the word tells us, enjoy a long life. 
or it will affect our life. So sometimes we can do that in your notes by remembering. Every so often you ought to go on a treasure hunt. Maybe you do that on a regular basis. A lot of times people do that on holidays. Uh, a few weeks ago we had a, a night of prayer in Thanksgiving and Keith was running it, did a wonderful job. And one of the first things he did is say, I want you to go back into your life and think of the things that you're most thankful for. And I want you to spend five or ten minutes doing it. Now, for some of us, that's a long time. For some of us, it's not long enough. But man, it was fascinating to go backwards and say, I mean, there's just so many people. I mean, I couldn't keep the list down. But you begin to, every once in a while, need to remember what they have done or the influence they've had or the influence you have had on the next generation who don't always tell you how good you are, what great things you've done or how much they love you. But you have the opportunity to remember every once in a while what God has done and how he has blessed you for most of us in the room. Every once in a while, my wife, both of us had things we wished we could have changed, but every once in a while, it's just so much fun to stop and reflect on the influence they've had. Most of the times we do it over a holiday season. We were away a, a couple of days this last week, and uh, we were telling stories about background for a couple of other reasons. And it was all of a sudden you're saying, after 46 years, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't remember you guys did that. Or we didn't remember we did this. And they're just fun opportunities to do that. Most of us are, had normal parents. There are some in a room, and I'm absolutely aware of that. I've had to deal with abuse and abandonment. But most of us had parents who, with all of their flaws, loved us even though they may have not always known how, but worked really hard doing their best and every so often instead of seeing all the negative things we need to look for the positive things they have done some people have grown up in a single parent home statistics are staggering some you may have to deal with those emotional issues that come with that and even some legitimate anger that comes with that but i need you to remember this that sometimes the one that gets the anger is the one who stayed you get that Sometimes the one who gets the anger is the one who stayed. And you may need to thank them for staying. And you know who that's going to help? Well, the one who stayed, right? Yeah. But look at the text. It's really going to help you. That your life may go well. For some to get to a place of honor, we've got to go home after church. And, or maybe they're already here with us on the way out or when we get home and call our parents and say, thank you, or apologize and say, I'm really sorry. You probably already knew what I did, but I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I probably put you through some things and you spent some nights on your knees wondering, and I just want to say, I'm really sorry for that. You ever notice how smart your parents got along the way? Isn't it funny, like, somewhere they went to school? Because you said to yourself when you were in high school, that was just stupid. Why would they make me do that? Or why did they say that? Or why can't I do that? Or why is that such a big deal? My dad used to say, you guys keep jumping out of the hay mile. You're going to pay for that one day. You guys keep jumping off that wagon onto the floor. Your knees and ankles are going to pay for that. Oh, my goodness, was my dad smart. <laughs> There's a lot more than that that I'm sure you heard them say that all of a sudden as you've grown up and now you're a parent, you can say, my parents were pretty smart, and I forgot. Some of you may need to establish some boundaries. Everybody loves Raymond as a television show, but you don't want mom showing up all the time. 
for everything unannounced. And maybe you've never dealt with it. Maybe you already have. But every once in a while, or maybe if you've never done it before, you need to call them up and say, okay, we need to establish some boundaries in this relationship. They may go to this depth. You can't talk to my spouse like that at all. We're not coming over because what comes out of your mouth, I don't want my kids to hear. So I need you to know we're not going to be there for dinner this week. That may be a really harsh statement. You need to be very careful as you plan to say that and as you prepare to say that. And I have a sermon note as well in your sermon notes this morning, a verse, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. But maybe there's just one person in the room here this morning or maybe they were in the first service that needs to go home and say, we've got to establish some boundaries because it's just not where it needs to be. Now, that parent may say, well, I've never heard such disrespect and maybe not, but for you to get to a place of honor, to honor them, you're going to have to do that. By the way, and Dave and I were talking about this this week, leaving a former church does not dishonor your parents, no matter what they tell you. How many of you get that? Leaving a former church does not dishonor your parents, no matter what they tell you. Because they will tell you, especially your grandmother. How could you do that? You'd just break your grandmother's heart. You really are going to come for Thanksgiving and tell me that's where you're going to church now. You're just going to break our heart. They'll tell you that. I just, I really felt constrained. And as I said, Dave felt the same constraint. We were talking about the message. He said, you, I really believe of God. You've got to remind people that leaving a, and I don't want to identify the church, even though I easily could. Not a particular church. Sometimes it's a denominational church background. It does not dishonor your parents even though they will tell you it does. For some of you, you need to forgive, but only after you honestly deal. Wayne Mueller in his book, Legacy of the Heart, writes this, forgiveness is not about a word or even a statement sometimes. It's about healing that comes as its own timing. It can't be pushed. Sometimes it needs to be invited and nurtured. Pressuring yourself to forgive too soon can interfere with the healing process because sometimes it honestly takes time. Again, if you're going to confront, you need to do it with Ephesians 4.15. Speak the truth in love. And parents, if they do, don't clam up. Because they want to get to a point of honoring you. And the best way to do that is this. And for you children, you need to know, even if you do have that talk, they may not get it and they may not change. But the good news, according to the text, is while they may not change, you can. Because you can now be free. If you decide to confront, you need to make sure your motives are pure and your expectations are genuine or at least real. That they may not change. And it may not. But according to the text, it can change you. Some of you just need this morning as we celebrate communion to come to your Abba. To come to your Heavenly Papa. And say, God, my, my parents are gone. There's no way I can have that conversation or maybe they're still here and there's no way I can have that conversation. But man, I want to tell you what I feel. I, want to, I just want to run into your arms, my Abba Papa, and be embraced by you and loved by you as my Heavenly Father. This may be what you need this morning.
Whatever it takes, according to the text, to live a healthy lifestyle in your sermon notes, you've got to honestly, we've got to honestly deal with the influence of our parents. Some, whether in this service or the not last, are in prison and desperately need to be free. And what we've done this morning is giving you a key to the door. You understand how powerful that statement is? What we've given you this morning is a key to the door to be free. Final advice, because I know there's some of you who like to fill in all the blanks. <laughs> you will always be a parent, but there will come a point in your life where you don't always have to parent. You'll always be a parent, but you don't always have to parent. There comes a point where after they leave home, you can still love them and they still honor you, but it doesn't mean they have to always do what you say. We need to also learn to distinguish between being responsible to, but not always responsible for. There comes to a point as a parent when you've done absolutely everything you knew to do that was right. You did your best, but you're not responsible for what they do with that. And for some of you, that needs to be the most freeing statement you've heard this morning. We're going to spend time as we end in communion. We're going to come to our Father, our Abba. And we're going to hold these two emblems in our hand that say, Jesus, you have given everything for me. And I just want to say thank you for that. You're going to hold the cup in your hand that represents, forgive, represents forgiveness and grace, and it's just going to flow out of the cross. You may want to spend some time because we always give you an opportunity to reflect and, and pretty much always will. You, you may want to reflect on some relationships that you just need to spend some time with God, with and talk to him about what we have addressed here this morning. What I don't want you to do is if there really are some sensitive issues that we dealt with here this morning, you just say, that's good, that's cool, and walk out and don't do any of it. Because then you'll stay the same. And our heart and our desire and his desire is that you grow and become everything that you are designed to be, which is exactly what he says in this word. So Father, as we hold these emblems in our hand, we are so grateful for what you've done. And we ask you to speak to us and walk with us as we walk through our time together with you in your name. Communion servers are going to come. They're going to be all over our campus here. There's one tray with the bread and the cup in it. If you've never been here before, help someone beside you. Take it, pass it along. And then just kind of spend some time with God. Spend some time with the Abba. And then I'll come back up at the end and give you the opportunity to take them together. Folks, if you'll come where we are. Please do that.
he was willing to make so that you and I could have life and have it for all eternity, have forgiveness and not have to carry our stuff around with us anymore. Both of these stand as a reminder of those two things and a thousand more. Share them together. Father, words of gratitude as I stand every time hundreds and hundreds of community services seem so insufficient for everything you've done, but we really are grateful for the freedom, the love, and the grace that you pour out on the cross. So these emblems remind us of that, and our time together with you is so precious. In the middle of all the busyness of life, to just quiet our hearts and seal our minds before you, and to spend some time in intimacy with you. So thank you for allowing us to do that. As we walk out of this place, help us to not dismiss anything that your spirit has said to us this morning that we need to address. Give us the courage to do that. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. God bless you. We're going to move on over the next few weeks. What I'm going to call is a call to character. We have really wonderful Christian counselors here that can help you. Let us know how we can do that. God bless you. Have a great day.